Find the life you didn't think was possible with the Jesus you never knew. Together, let's slow down a little and pay better attention to the most significant person in history. Welcome to the podcast, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, with your hosts, Rick Lawrence and Becky Hodges, brought to you by Lifetree. Visit us at JesusCenteredLife.com. Hi, listeners. This is Season 2, Episode 16, brought to you by Lifetree at JesusCenteredLife.com. The Becky Nader and I are here to talk about something that is like religion and politics, isn't it, really? You just don't, you don't go to social gatherings and say, you know what, let's talk physical appearance for a while, shall we? Let's talk about how do you feel about your body weight. <laughs> here, we've set up innumerable mirrors here at the party today so that all of us can feel equally awkward Actually, every time we turn around. women do talk about this all the time, though. Like we, on the down low. No, like we get together and talk about like how we feel about our body issues. This is actually a regular thing. We we give each other grace and we encourage each other. And yeah, we talk a lot. So I'm just looking through our window. But maybe right... not at a dinner party yeah. with like couples or something. So I'm just looking through the window right now at our at our uh, genius Adam, who's sitting at the uh, soundboard here. And we're both shaking our heads like, no, no, we don't talk about that sort of thing. Not on the down low, not really ever. Uh, unless, unless of course, you're in a max muscle store or something like that, and you're <laughs> and you're you're really secretly on oh, steroids. Then you really talk about it. Yeah. So I mean, th- th- it's a huge issue. It, it, it's funny, isn't it, too? Because we're not just talking about any group of people. We're talking about really followers of Jesus who are intent, maturing, growing. Do you think of these conversations uh, in a compartmentalized way? Like right now we're talking about fitness and diet and stuff, and later we'll talk about Jesus. They're two different things. Women don't compartmentalize very well, but I do think that we don't tend to think about having Jesus be in control of our, our body image and dieting issues. We don't, we don't go into a prayer mode. We don't ask for help from, for this. We tend to go to the self-help section of Barnes and Noble and buy dieting books followed by a trip to vitamin cottage for $150 in whatever dieting stuff is available on the shelf. There you go. (laughs) So, uh, just as a lead in to to the interview that that I did with Joby Lewis who is a he, he is a, a fitness trainer he's also in charge of here at group our life tree adventures area which is uh, there's two really uh, two really uh, uh, trajectories for this one is service trips around the world uh, uh, for groups from churches and the other is for uh, more like uh, leisure travel which has a service component added into it. So Joby it travels a lot. It's difficult when you travel a lot to eat well and stay in shape. Um, jo- Joby has a very, very focused perspective on all this that I think is the most balanced I've ever heard from somebody, and he does not compartmentalize these areas of our life. He does not think of uh, the fitness and diet area as somehow a separate area that's really has has no real bearing on our maturing relationship or maturing intimacy with Jesus. He sees it all integrated, and he didn't get there by accident. <laughs> uh, he's a former athlete. Um, he was a college football player, um, and he's continued to maintain 
a fitness and nutrition level, and you'll hear him talk a little bit about his journey in just a second, but he's continued to maintain that because of health reasons that are important for him with his family history. So you'll hear him tell his story, but really uh, what we want to explore today is uh, that this whole month is about our identity, and this aspect of our identity that has to do with our body, how we look and how we feel nutrition and fitness-wise. Is that really that important in our relationship with Jesus? Aren't the two kind of separated by a wall somehow? And what we want to talk about is living a life that has no walls, that it's whole. Everything's integrated into each other, and everything feeds into each other and strengthens each other. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start off uh, by—I asked Joby to describe his journey to where he is today. So that's what we're going to hear Joby talk about now. I grew up playing sports and being involved in athletics um, year-round. It was it was football, basketball, track. Grew up in Texas, so you had to play football or you, you didn't have the right identity. <laughs> you weren't even a person. You, you might, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have been noticed. So, so working out and generally staying fit was part of just part of my life, part of the culture I was involved in. And then I went on and played in college uh, at New Mexico State. Once I got out of that, got married, had kids, um, really stopped working out altogether, um, really stopped worrying about fitness, nutrition, any of it. Why did that happen? Well, I think one reason was I was just so burned out from doing it that I just I, I had no interest in going back into a gym. And I had been on, it had just been such a part of my life for so long that uh, I kind of just thought I'd be okay not doing any of that. I, I would go run occasionally. I I do like a lot of people do. I'd get on kicks and I'd go for a run, you know, a couple times a week. Okay, I'm gonna get back and get back in shape and do this, and and then it wouldn't stick. And then, probably about five years after I was done uh, with college, I went to the doctor and had was diagnosed with high blood pressure. I was overweight, and the doctor's already telling me, talking to me about blood pressure medication. My, my dad had uh, high blood pressure, and um, I've got heart disease and cancer in my family and all these things just as, you know, 26-year, 27-year-old, already faced with these things going, what is going on? So ended up getting back into the gym. I'm a CrossFitter. Well... I say this this way. I do CrossFit. I'm not a CrossFitter. You know the CrossFitters because they've already told you that they do CrossFit. Right? <laughs> and now I forced you to tell everyone that you're... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do CrossFit to stay in shape. But as I, I got involved in that community and, and started seeing positive changes in my body, I started sleeping better. I started eating. I wanted to eat well because I knew how it would affect... You know, if I don't eat well, then it hurts worse in the gym. And so I'm pushing myself that hard. You have to fuel yourself well. So it's like this good mix for me as a former athlete. And, and I reversed fairly quickly the, the track that I was on. And it helped to be in that community of people. I, I tried the gym membership thing for a long time. Could never motivate myself to go in and do much. But the community aspect of CrossFit helped me to stay connected and, and keep going in. And that consistency 
led me to, uh, to see improvements. But what I noticed was with my relationship with Jesus, with my interactions with other people, with my relationship with my wife, all these different aspects of my life began to improve, and, and specifically the spiritual one. Because as I started to, to wane in my health and my fitness, I, I started feeling more doubts about myself, more, oh, you're lazy, you're, you're out of shape, you're overweight, you're not, you know, all these things. And then as I started to engage and do the things I knew I, I wanted to be doing, should be doing, those, some of those things went away. And I went, well, there's got to be a connection here between our faith and our fitness, our spiritual life and our physical life. What is that connection? How do we engage with this conversation in a way that is right and not uh, disillusioned, not incorrect in the way that we approach it? So along the way, this connection you're talking about, it's not, I, I'm, I, I know from talking to you that it, it's not simply that you stopped feeling bad about yourself, therefore you felt better about your, your life uh, with Jesus, that you're talking about kind of a, a deeper connection between these two things. It's not just that you're repeating tapes of shame inside that are impeding your ability to grow. It's, it's almost like you're, uh, as you began to lean into this arena of your life, you began to uh, embrace something of your true identity, and that had a, a secondary effect of helping you to embrace your true identity in other arenas. I'm just throwing this out there because I, I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about this connection between the physical, your physical life, your nutrition and fitness and things like that, and your life with Jesus. What what? have you discovered about this connection as you've gotten deeper into it? The biggest thing I, I've discovered is that, like, like you mentioned earlier, we compartmentalize this, especially in the church, in Christian communities. We, we, we slip down two extremes. We go all obsessive about, I'm on the scale three times a day, I'm posting Instagram pictures of my progress, I refuse to eat anything but kale, I, I'm obsessive about it, and it, it becomes my, my God, really. It becomes my idol. It becomes my Jesus. All of us struggle with this in some way, some more than others, obviously, but the other extreme is I can't do that. I don't want to do that, and Jesus doesn't want me to do that, so I'm not going to worry about my physical nutrition, none of it, I'm, and so I'm going to ignore it altogether, because it doesn't matter. My Bible says physical training is of some value, but spiritual training is way more valuable. So I'm focused on the spiritual training, and what I do with my body is irrelevant, because I'm going to die, and it's going to go away anyway. So we, we live in those two extremes, and, and what I noticed as I re-engage with this is there's a balance point there. It's really hard to stay there, but there is a balance point where you can not be obsessive about exercise, but not ignore it either. I, if you just take it out of the context of exercise and diet for a second and say, I know that it's good for me to have lunch as often as I can with a good friend and talk life. And 
and engage in deep, meaningful conversation. I know that that's good for me, and I know that draws me closer to Jesus. If I choose to not do that because uh, I feel distant from my friend or I, I'm really busy, I don't want to make a priority to, to do that, it doesn't matter. It's just me and Jesus. I don't really need that friend. I'm going to suffer, and my relationship with Jesus is going to suffer. It's the same thing with diet and exercise. We know that there's certain things that we can do and engage with that help our body. And our body is the, is the biggest, most powerful tool that God has given us to use to spread his love and his message to other people. If we take care of it, if we exercise, we eat right, we, we do the things that we know we ought to do with that amazing tool that he's given us, then we're going to be more effective. We're going to have more energy. We're going to be more uplifting to other people. Our part in the body, our body in the bigger body is going to have more of an impact uh, on a broad scale. So those are just some of the things. There's so much, but <laughs> those well, are some of the things I started to, to see in myself and in other people as we, we talk. All right. So uh, we're going to continue the interview in just a minute, but we thought we'd stop it right here to talk about what Joby has talked about so far, and then we'll pick back up again in just a second. So he's he's talking about coming out of you know being an athlete and having some health concerns, and what do I got to do about that? How do I get it re-engaged when I don't really want to do this? And he, as part of that pathway, he started to realize that Jesus is very much embedded in this journey. Becky, what uh, what stuck out to you in that? in that little segment of our conversation? What what uh, jumped out at you? Well, this month we're focusing on identity, um, which is why we had to talk about body image, because we a lot of us, our entire identity is wrapped up in um, our body image, the way that we view our body image and how we view ourselves um, in relation to um, words we, that we use, pretty, ugly, fat, um, there's all kinds of words that we use to describe our bodies and, and we start to bring on identity. I thought it was really interesting, actually. So when you are in high school and you are an athlete at that level, that's, a, that's an identity. That becomes an identity marker for you. So like you hang out with certain people, you wear certain kinds of clothes, That's you're wrapped up in that identity. I can relate to that. I was also an athlete in high school. I played water polo and I swam and I was in... Wait a minute. Can we tell where Becky is from? She played water polo. Hmm. I wonder if California. Becky, Becky was on the West California Coast. dreaming. <laughs> so you played water polo and what? And I, I was a swimmer. Uh-huh. So um, a speed swimmer. So when I left high school, I had the same kind of identity crisis. You stop doing those things and then you kind of start to, you know, you would think that after so many years, I, I started swimming when I was seven years old. So you would think that even though I wasn't in an organized sports situation, that that identity would be so steeped in you that you would just keep it up. But I, I, I identify with that. Just I was so burnt out that I didn't want to work out ever again. <laughs> um, and I was so tired of all the structure and constant um, having to be somewhere and, and at a certain time. So you start to lose that identity. And what happens is that it's what's left, you know, what's left there. Well, you know, what's left there is that your body is going to start to to change and you're going to start to create new habits. And what I saw about Joby's past is that 
he went to a gym. He started to try to get back in shape. He was trying and trying and trying and trying. But it wasn't until he steeped his identity into something else, into Jesus, and he started to see a change. So his body and taking care of his body, it, would, it wasn't just about getting back in shape anymore. It was about treating his body well so that he could he could be, be more deeply in the spirit. And I loved how he couldn't... He couldn't even help himself interchangeably. He was talking about his exercise routine and then immediately talking about how it's good for him to have spiritual conversations over lunch with guy friends at least once a week. Th- those were like this on the same level for him. They weren't any different. It wasn't like, well, in order to keep my body in good shape, I have to eat this nutrition plan and I have to keep this diet routine. Um, oh, and then over here in this other compartment is this um, you know, community and spiritual relationships. That's a different compartment. He, it wasn't for him. It was like, oh, and also I have to do this. This is all part of what I'm doing to keep myself healthy. Um, and it yeah. was the same compartment. Yeah, so. it's a decompartmentalized approach to health yep. and life. And, you know, Becky, you and I have both been on this journey in different ways, mm-hmm. and we know how charged this is. Uh, around when we were joking about mirrors at a party and stuff like that, but we have a certain idea of ourselves, and then we sometimes look in the mirror and we go, "Oh, that's not the idea of myself that I have." <laughs> and, oh yeah, I'm like totally thirty pounds <laughs> like thinner in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I thought what was interesting is that Joby talked about not just stopping this like negative self talk. What he was really saying is he recognized that his. Uh, the way that he has this interior conversation about his body and his fitness and his nutrition is not just about stopping bad negative talk inside, but it was really had to do with his identity. When he started to address one area of health in his life, it led to health in other areas of his life because they're all connected. And what we often take away from this is, yeah, 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 I know I need to do better in that area. It just immediately becomes a burden on the back, yeah. when really what I think what Joby's trying to say is that there's a whole picture here. It's not really possible to be maturing spiritually if you're not also maturing in your attitude of health toward your own body. And I think that's true in my own life as well, because in order to resolve dissonance in my life, I would compartmentalize my life, and I would make believe mm-hmm. that the unhealthy choices and things that I was making didn't really have an impact on me. So I was living with a kind of hiddenness. And we've said before on this podcast, hiddenness is the number one thing to pay attention to in this life. If there's hiddenness, it is a breeding ground and a leverage point for destruction and and uh, the enemy to get at you, to take you out of uh, what your intended role is mm-hmm. is to be. Hiddenness is the, the greatest danger we face. And so for many years, I lived with sort of a low level of hiddenness all the time to help resolve my dissonance. And it's true, when I trick myself into getting losing some weight and, and becoming more fit, when that happened, um, I had less hiddenness in my life therefore less leverage in my life, therefore more freedom to be who I really am in the other arenas, the other arenas of my life as well. So they all are connected together. And and what I think about is, you know, we know from the Bible that we are created in God's image. Hmm. Well, God doesn't have an image. We can't see him. But 
the fact that we are created this way should tell us something if we are created in his image. Some people think, well, we're just created in his spiritual image, but actually the incarnation is an exclamation point about our physical body. The incarnation, Jesus becoming a human being, is an exclamation point saying, the body is good. Um, that, and in fact, it's the, I created you this way not just because you're like pets <laughs> in a different species, but I myself am going to inhabit a body and live and breathe and move in this body. And, and in that way, Jesus is saying, the body is a good thing, and it's something to be paid attention to, and it's not an unnecessary compartment to our, our spiritual life. So uh, I, I think uh, the other thing that struck me is he talked—Joby talks a lot about balance and not ending up at one of these two extreme ends, and that should tell us, if we're at one extreme or the other, that should tell us that there's something off here in our relative to our identity. We're either gaining too much identity from our fitness and diet, or we're gaining too little— from it on the other end, where we're basically saying we're Gnostics, which is the Gnostics. It was a Gnosticism was a heresy, and Gnostics believed that anything physical was bad and evil, and everything spiritual was good and holy. And it was it was declared a heresy, and it has to be because the incarnation itself says that's a heresy, because it's not true that this this the spiritual is good and the physical is evil. Mm-hmm. Jesus proved it by becoming a human being, or inhabiting the the shell, if you want to call it that, of a human being. So uh, Gnosticism, in the practical way we practice it, is we separate these things out and say one is good and the other we can forget about, or we can overvalue Mm -hmm. because of it. So any last thoughts here before we go go into the second segment of the interview, Becky? Anything else that's sitting out there? I mean, just a balance is key. I, I have a friend who is so disciplined. She's just disciplined in life, and she is such a good—she's so good about getting in the gym and working out almost every day. And But I know she's balanced because she literally hibernates. So, like, come, like, the coldest part of the winter till the end of it, she's like, I'm not working out. I'm a, I'm a bear. I'm hibernating. You know, she can very easily give it up even though she loves it so much. And she just, you know, she gives herself grace. Like, it's cold. It's dark. I don't want to get up in the morning. <laughs> and, you know, you just don't have to work out all the time. And she's, you know, sh- and she is a person who is in very good physical fitness. But I can tell that it's not something that controls her because she can very easily be like, I don't have to do it. It's fine. You know? So yeah, that's a perfect lead into this next segment of what uh, Joby and I talk about. Um, and just so you know, uh, we're going to jump into this interview just after I talked about how I invited Joby into creating something called Simply Fit at the National Conference for Youth Pastors that I have that I've led over the years. It's called the Simply Youth Ministry Conference. We decided to have an, uh, an early morning. Uh, offering at the conference that would allow uh, people there to have a fitness experience that was also a devotional experience. The two were married together, decompartmentalized, and we offered this because there there was a, there has been a significant issue within the youth ministry community of obesity among leaders, and it's kind of easy to see why they're around a lot of junk food <laughs> in youth ministry, and um, it's it, it's kind of almost promoted to to not eat well 
thin youth ministry, and there's late nights when you're eating, and all of the things that are bad for for promoting fitness and good nutrition uh, don't really happen very much in youth ministry. And so, so we were trying to you know basically recognize the elephant in the room and begin to decompartmentalize this life and begin to give people some help along the way. So he's going to talk about that, and along the way, I mentioned to him kind of in an offhand way, that I have not yet reached what I would call my the ideal weight that I would like to get to yet. So I offhandedly mentioned that to him, and you'll hear how he responds to that in this segment. So let's listen. That was a really fun time, um, eye-opening. There are so many—you guys talk about mirrors a lot. There's so many mirrors involved with this. Uh, even, Rick, I'll call you out on a few that you just said. Um, ideal weight. Yeah. Um, says Who? Who says there's an ideal weight? and Who gets to define that? That's good. The other one is the word obesity. Mm. Um, obesity is a problem for sure, but what I'm concerned about, and I think what Jesus was concerned about, is, is our heart. Mm. And so I don't think Jesus has an ideal weight for, <laughs> for you or for anyone else. And I've seen a lot of people of a lot of different uh, weights that are incredibly fit and incredibly healthy. So what we try to get at and what Simply Fit was all about was getting to the heart of where people are at. And what I noticed was it's hard because you can have a secret addiction, uh, at least for a while, with certain addictions and no one would ever know it. But if you're addicted to food and food is your issue, it shows. It tends to show uh, on most people. And so you can look around a room and... You don't automatically know, but um, at, in sitting down with people who came to those appointments at, after Simply Fit, it was clear that this, this struggle with food is no different in any capacity, any sense, than someone who struggles with heroin, someone who struggles with pornography addiction, someone who struggles with alcohol. You name the addiction, food is just the, the, the substance, the the thing, the it's object. the medium of addiction. Yeah. Exactly. And they're out of control. Um, and when I was, I, I wouldn't say I was out of control in that period where I, I had high, high blood pressure and was overweight, but it, it wasn't an area of my life that I'd surrendered or had given any control or even any thought to whether Jesus should have anything to say about that. So the question that I, that I ask people is, as it relates to this, who's making the choices? And I've heard people say, I just want to be free to eat whatever I want. And if I have a good relationship with them and some currency, I'll say, well, are you really free? Is that really freedom? It's, it's If you're talking to an alcoholic and they say, I just want to be free to, to drink, well, you know, you have to be able to ask the question to yourself with Jesus, is this freedom? Am I really free? Am I the one making the choices? Or is does this thing have me under control and I'm eating these things and doing these things for other reasons? I got to stop you there for a second because when you said that, it just something popped into my head that <laughs> that what I, I had such strong emotional reaction to. So I used to be in a what's called a CVI class at my health club. I, I go to four different... Um, classes. I've, uh, they're all community-based classes, so it's similar to CrossFit in that way. It's the same people in the class mm -hmm. every time I go, 
It's a very supportive environment. That's good. And it's a variety of classes that I go to, and it's on a regular schedule. So it, you know, momentum takes over. (laughs) When you do something regularly, then it becomes part of your identity that this is what I do. So that's been a real help. But I was in this CVI class, which is cardiovascular intervals. Mm -hmm. And you could go on any machine you wanted to that was a cardio machine, but I went on a treadmill and ran. And the and you would put headphones in and plug them into something on the on the treadmill, and you had a coach on a mic who was leading the whole class uh, on what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And you'd go way high in your RPMs, and then you'd drop down for a minute, and you'd go back up, and, yeah. and it's interval training. So this one coach, who's not there anymore, she used to say something that drove me nuts. Uh, I hated it when she said it. She would usually say it at about two-thirds of the way through the class as a way to motivate people. And what she would say is, go hard, go harder, go harder. Just imagine when you're done, you can go eat whatever you want tonight. You can go drink whatever you want tonight. That's what you're winning yourself. And I realized at that point, it's exactly what you're saying, that inside I realized that's not the point. I can't do this so that I have the opportunity to harm myself later. Mm-hmm. I, that's not a good motivator for me. What, what is a good motivator is the freedom that you feel in doing this. And for me, building or stretching my courage muscle, because a CVI class, and really all the classes I go to, for me, all take courage to do. They take courage to learn how to do it. It takes courage to persevere. It access something very deep about my heart as I was trying to become more fit. And so I realized, well, my courage matters in every area of my life. And on this treadmill right now, I have to have courage. It's helping me to have courage in other arenas as well, because it's growing that. I saw how they were connected. Yeah, That is a motivator for me, mm-hmm. not the motivation of, now you get to do whatever you want. Now you get to eat whatever you want. Yeah, or, yeah I hate that. There's so many things like that in the fitness community that are kind of unhealthy mantras. Yeah, you get to work out, so you get to go drink now. No, 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 that wasn't really the point. <laughs> well, what other things, as you think about engaging people in this setting that were coming to you for help, I, I'm sure many of them came under the burden of shame on some level because they are desperate enough to make an appointment with somebody to talk about their... Who they've their, never <laughs> met, some <laughs> random stranger. Yeah, that, that, that means that their level of interior pain was enough to get them to do that. So what else do you uh, think about when you think about those encounters with people? There is so much uh, shame wrapped up in it, and people have tried their whole lives. They've tried every, every diet, every fad, every, everything and ultimately ended up back where they started and they feel like a failure. So I think if if we're all honest, we've all had areas of our life where we could describe describe that area of our life in that way, whether it's food or, or whatever the issue happens to be. Man, I've tried to do this differently for so long, and I just can't, and so I give up. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try anymore. And what I hear people say is, well, you know, Jesus loves me just the way I am, which I totally agree with. Uh, absolutely he does. Um, but 
that doesn't mean he doesn't want you to have courage and to trust him to walk in a different direction. I just think we have to redefine for people what a health, what this healthy balance that I was talking about, this balance point, what does health look like um, in a physical sense, spiritual sense, the wellness sense, am I well, and what does that look like in, in really fighting against these mantras and these, these misguided the scale, one of the first things I tell people when I start working with them is you got to get rid of the scale, throw it in the trash. My wife started doing CrossFit, and she's she would let me say this, but she's a CrossFitter. She doesn't just do CrossFit, so she's really into it. It's been really good for her. It's been a healthy community for her to engage in. But she has gained weight since starting CrossFit. I mean, and I don't know pounds because we don't have a scale in the house, but she's gained a good amount of muscle weight because she's really strong. And she, her encouragement to ladies that she, she meets is you got to get rid of the scale. That's not a definition of you. That doesn't define you. That's not an identity uh, that you need to look down and say, that number defines me. And for so many people, it has for their whole life. They've been on the scale since they were little kids struggling with their weight. So what does define you? So as you're, as you're engaging in this, and this is for you and for me as well, we have to wrestle with these things. This really does get to the core of our identity. What does define us? And the Church can say, well, Jesus defines you. You are who Jesus says you are. You can find your identity in Christ. It's a churchy phrase, find your identity in Christ, mm -hmm. that I don't think really means anything to anybody anymore on a on the on the level that we intend it to mean. Yeah. It just sounds like uh this kind of vague standard there's, for who we are. There's truth in those things. I've seen there's a sheet of paper that has all the you know the identities in Christ that you yeah. you're forgiven, you're you're yeah. chosen, you're all these different things. And those are all true but it's not it for some reason it, it's not accessible or it doesn't feel practical. So for for me in this area, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, who's in charge? Am I free in this area? And freedom could mean, yes, I may go to uh, a party and whatever food is there, I'm going to eat. But it also should look like that doesn't send me into a frenzy for the next week of eating all kinds of junk and, and being sort of off the wagon. I'm free to do that once, but then I kind of get back to a steady, um, healthy choices kind of a diet. And, and when I go down to the cafe here at work and I've got lots of different choices, some healthy, some not, do I feel free to go ahead and do the healthy choice? Or is it so overpowering to me that I have to have that particular food that I know is not going to be good for me, is not going to get a good response from my body if I eat it. So in the context of our uh, deepening relationship with Jesus, what does it mean who's in charge? What do you mean when you say that in the greater context of, of our life with Jesus? To me, it's Jesus is the one prompting me to make the choices that I make to day in and day out. Am I walking with him? Is he the one I'm? Is his voice the one I'm listening to? Is are his words about me the ones that I am able to believe, or that I can choose to believe in that moment? 
um, there's a lot of all, a lot of us have a lot of negative words that go around in our head. Are we able to grab some of those words on the list, like like we talked about, and really identify? No, you are loved, you are complete, and you're safe. Nothing bad is going to happen if you make this choice and you trust me, whichever choice it happens to be. Mm-hmm. All right, there's a wow, that was really thick, and there are some things in there that I think are super important to highlight, and he's really talking about the addictive nature that we all have, and it's just that in the nutrition and fitness arena, that addiction is on display, but it's, it's you know, people, people have some pretty acceptable addictions that fly under the radar, and it's easy to feel smug because of it, because of the addictions that don't fly under the radar are obvious to everyone, so I think he's, he's kind of calling that out, but um, the thing that jumps out at me about this whole segment of the interview is who's making the choices. I think that that is so profound, and I've been thinking about it ever since we first did this interview. Who's making the choices? I think this is the key to all of this, because Jesus came, as we've said many times now, Jesus came to set captives free. So the question, who's making the choices, is really a question of, am I captive or not? Am I free or not right now? And there have been many times in my life where I have felt captive to outside forces. Like, uh, you, you know you're a captive when you say, I know that's bad for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Why? Who's in charge here? It, it's not a shaming point-your-finger thing. It's a recognition that something else is in charge here, and it's good to pay attention to it. What jumped out for you, Becky? Well, I am. Um, I really loved kind of that kind of whole talk about what's your ideal weight. Um, you shouldn't even have an ideal weight. Uh, we kind of make some jokes around here that like maybe women were supposed to be like a little bit more squishy than you know. But maybe <laughs> ideally, like if maybe I if have we could definitely see, not been that in that conversation. Maybe if we could really see like what God wanted us to look like, it would be a little squishier than. <laughs> Um, because we're we're constantly fighting towards an ideal weight, and that ideal weight is usually driven by the media and and all of the things that are are shown to us. Um, and, and so, he, and he really called that out in me as you. Oh as you yeah, know, you know? I was like, "Go, Joby, <laughs> call Rick out." But one of the things that I I have done all the diets, right? So I had like probably starting in my twenties, like remember the Atkins and the South Beach diet. I ha- I think I still have like three South Beach diet cookbooks. I've done the low carb and the all all of those things. And about I think it's about six years ago, a friend of mine was like, "Oh, you should go see my naturopath." So I went and saw her, and she's actually a Christian. Her and her husband they run a beautiful practice, and they are they uh, use the role of the Holy Spirit in their actual treatments. And so when she does an assessment of kind of like, what is your body missing? She also does an emotional assessment. Hmm. And so she will do muscle resistance testing, which is pretty very common. And she does it not just with like, 
Are you low on B vitamins? Are you low on um, fish oil? She does it on, she goes through a, a list of about 50 emotions and then she will see what things you're locked up on. And she, then she prays, she invites the Holy Spirit and she prays and asks for those things to be released. And I have had just incredible experiences going to her and she's always been dead on. She's always been dead on. And she has helped me through quite a few different like health trials, but also what has happened is she will say, I'm recommending this diet because you're, you're lacking this nutrition. And also you're over, you're overly consuming these kinds of things. And so this is what I'm going to recommend that you do for a few weeks. And it always helps. And it's really changed the way I think about what I'm doing. Cause I'm not, I'm not eliminating so that I can lose weight. And it's never a discussion about that. She's never concerned about my weight. She's, it's never a discussion about that. What she, what she's concerned about is just having a holistic view of both emotionally and physically what my body and my soul need. You know, what's so. interesting about this is that because she's approaching this holistically, it sounds wacky. <laughs> Doesn't it? Because Okay, we, so remember Becky's a hippie. She she's a hippie. But the re <laughs> the, yeah, but the reason it sounds wacky is because we have grown used to and have normalized our compartments. Yeah. And we don't want our compartments to spill over into each other. Why would you have somebody pray for you about a diet or fitness issue? That what? Because it's recognizing that this is also a spiritual issue. It's not just a physical issue. It's treating the person as a whole person. So when we hear somebody do that, we're like, wow, that's a little that's a little wonky. I'm not used to that decompartmentalized way you're talking right now, and it's easy to dismiss it. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, Jesus came to, to—I just find this fascinating. Jesus said, here's how you love the Lord your God, with all of your heart— soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. Right there, he has decompartmentalized life. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's saying, love expressed to me comes in all of these four arenas, and they're all intertwined. So can you, um, as you uh, become more fit or do something that fits for you, that helps your body to stay healthier, is that a form of worship? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's turned into a form of worship sometimes for the body itself. I'm worshiping a good-looking body, but actually Jesus is saying when you do that uh, by helping your body to be more fit and healthy, it's a form of worship to me. It can be a, a deep expression of love for me. So he's really modeling a decompartmentalized life. And when I love that Joby said there toward the end that one of the things we tell ourselves is that Jesus loves me just the way I am. And it's a way of saying, I don't need to put pressure on myself. So much pressure. I feel bad about this. And so I think what he's saying, again, is very balanced. Yes, of course, Jesus loves us just the way we are. And when you look at any interaction he had with anybody in the New Testament, yes, he loves that person just the way they are, and yet he wants greater and greater freedom, greater and greater transformation. What what father, he says, would be content with their son staying a toddler? No, they want them to grow up into the fullness of who they are. So yes, Jesus loves you just the way you are, and he also wants us to grow up into the fullness of who we are. Of course he does. He loves us, and he knows that as we grow into the fullness of who we are, our enjoyment 
of him and ourselves and of life simply grows. And of course, he wants good things for us. He doesn't, again, he, in another uh, place, he says, what, what father gives bad gifts to their children, like rotten things? No, I, I want to give good gifts to you. So love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the, the strength part of that is very much about loving him with our, with our body. So relating and living this life in a decompartmentalized way means that we're not defined by one compartment, but that we look at all of the compartments without the, with their walls down. It's a walls-down kind of life, that everything impacts each other. And I think that's why your story just now is a walls-down story, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes us a little bit unnerved when we hear a walls-down story. Well, and I think this is another thing that I am seeing consistently in our culture, and it's partly because of our you know, social media world, is that there's a lot of pressure to be like a runner or a yogi or to be really into CrossFit or to define ourselves by this kind of like, what do I do for my like physical thing? And we live in Colorado, so we have a lot of outdoor active enthusiasts, hikers, cyclists. And I have always struggled because maybe it's because of the burnout from high school. I have never really wanted to commit to something that fully ever again. And so you kind of feel like, well, but then I don't have anything. Then what am I doing? I'm not one of those people. And I just kind of like, I'm sort of like ADD with my fitness. Sometimes it's just about going for a long walk with my dog. Sometimes I do go to yoga. Sometimes I go to a dance class. Um, But I'm not... I don't consistently stick with one of those. And I'm a little jealous. I'm a little bit jealous when I hear, you know, Rick talks about his community with his workout groups because he consistently goes. And Joby's wife and him have both found community in CrossFit. So I'm a little bit jealous, like, oh, that would be so great to, like, make friends that you see all the time. But I also just need to have freedom that that's not really who I am. And I have a lot of structure in my life already. Mm. And I I don't know if I have capacity for any more structure outside of that. And that is that is giving myself grace. That's saying, hey, I know the world is pressuring you to be a joiner and be consistent with one thing and do all of this stuff, but you are maxed out. And so you need to have grace for yourself. So I, I do know that there's people who are listening who you need to find some courage to get out there and to take care, better care of your body, because that's what that that's the freedom you're being called to. But you may also be, you know, someone who's putting too much pressure on yourself and you're overly putting, you're not giving yourself any grace or freedom. And you've actually locked yourself into this, this, um, fitness world. And that's not what we want for you either. Yeah. So this is a good, good way to close this off. Uh, I think the reminder here is, and what you're describing here is a a, an attachment to and dependence on the Spirit of Jesus in this whole journey. There's no one formula or recipe for this. Really, the point of all this is an intimate relationship with Jesus guiding us into and out of these decisions. And there's two big things, I think, to, to remember. Who's in charge? So recognizing, are you free or not in this? And if you're not, it's worth paying attention to that. And the second thing is... Is there hiddenness? So if there is hiddenness in any of these areas, sniff it out, because mm-hmm. this this is certainly where your 
the enemy of God is going to be sniffing those areas of hiddenness out as well. And uh, let's get ahead of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I can't urge this enough. If there's an area of hiddenness, and a lot, sometimes people will say, um, I need an accountability partner to make sure that I don't have areas of hiddenness. And I mentioned this to Joby, we didn't hear it in the interview, but I mentioned this to him at the end, that because we have talked about this before, especially for men who say, my safety is in an accountability partner, I want to suggest to you that there's something higher than accountability, and that's finding people who will love you. Accountability is a poor reflection of love. Love is not making a checklist and uh, kind of riding herd on your behavior and but uh, love instead is for the other person, listens deeply and reflects back in a healthy, unhidden way what they're hearing or seeing or experiencing in that person. Accountability is a transaction. Love is a heart commitment to another. And so when Joby responded to me the way he did about ideal weight, he wasn't uh, being my accountability partner. He was being a man who loved me and said, wait a minute, Rick, I, I just sniffed out a kind of a destructive way of thinking that you just threw out there. I want to confront it in a very normal way. It came in the context of a close friendship I have with Joby. That is love, not accountability. So um, you wanted to mention also at the close here, Becky, uh, uh, I think we have a link to a resource that will help in this arena, right? Yeah, so we've got two reminders. Um, One is that if you haven't joined our new podcast membership group, it's called The Pigs. The Pigs. Um, And that's because we're living a pig life. If you don't know what that means, you need to pick up a copy of Jesus Centered Life. There's a whole chapter on it. And we, you can click on a link to join that group. We already started the Facebook group, and it's been super fun to start sharing prayer requests and joining community with all of you. I've been enjoying it. Um, the second thing is we do have a free download for you that was created by our friend Steph, and it's a two-week dieting experiment with Jesus. And it's, so it's a way to decompartmentalize your life in this way. So it has just daily prompts to think about and invite Jesus in to helping you with your meal planning, asking him what to eat, um, when to exercise, what to exercise, and to let him be the guide of that. Um, We've had quite a few people who have taken this challenge, and they just have amazing stories. And where can they find that again? That's going to be a link in the description um, under related resources. Excellent. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. I appreciate so much what you're about. The fact that you're listening means that you have kindred heart to all this, and we we love being a part of this community with you. So remember, you can find out more information about everything we talked about today and some links to the things we talked about today on the JesusCenteredLife.com. You just find our podcast section, Season 2, Episode 16. And again, this is Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, a podcast from Lifetree. Subscribe to us on iTunes for all the latest podcasts. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.